hello and welcome to another episode of Playing Catch Up. My name's Tom Bailey. I'm here once again with Paul Thomas, and we've been playing a bunch of games since the last time we spoke. So we thought we'd have a kind of a bit of a catch up episode, see what we've been playing. And um, before we do that, Paul, I think we're recording a day on from um, the announcement of a new console of sorts. And um, the play date. You gonna, you I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> I take it you're you're up to speed with it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've seen it. Um... It's uh, it's different, isn't it? Yeah. Um, do, do you do you think it's my sort of thing or your sort of thing? I think it might be my sort of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm put myself on the mailing list. I'm I'm potentially interested. I mean, the price looks like it's it's going to be higher than I would ideally like to pay. Um, but right, I love the idea. I love the idea of having a season of. Um, of games kind of delivered presumably weekly or fortnightly or however they're going to do it with some quite high profile um, indie developer names attached as far as I can tell. Um, obviously they haven't really revealed all the details yet, but um, but yeah, it's intriguing to me. I, I like the fact that someone's looking to do something disruptive and a little bit different. I can understand the people saying it's, it's a machine for hipsters you know, with the crank on the side <laughs> and all of this stuff. Um, but I think maybe some people looking at the price and, and saying, you know, $150, I think they've said, um, uh, for a small black, you know, a monochrome screen and what have you. But I think they're perhaps forgetting the fact that you're, you're getting these games in with it. Right. Um, so you're, you're paying for a bunch of games with it. Of course, it's going to live and die on the strength of the games. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I just had a smile on my face when I saw the when I saw the images of it and and what they're planning to do with it. I just thought, yeah, I, I really like that someone's looking to come and do something Same. a bit different. I think for me, just looking at it, it's just really nice to see a game, a console that is just so highly designed, if you know what I mean, yeah. like high end yeah. design, like this looks really cool. Just lo- yeah. looking at it, you just think, wow, that's neat. And then, and then you work out sort of the dimensions of it. And it's, it's, it's absolutely tiny. And, yeah. um, I, I've likened it to the Game Boy Micro. And I don't know if you ever got one of those, but. The Game Boy Micro was, you know, a really sort of, I would say, a high-end Game Boy. It was the smallest Game Boy they physically could ever make because of yeah. the size of the cartridge. It was literally slightly bigger in a few centimetre in sort of width and height of the actual Game Boy cartridge. Yeah. And it was made out of metal. And that thing was just beautiful. Um, and I always wondered, would we ever see something in that vein again? And for me, this feels kind of like it in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, do you, do you feel like you'll get one, or are you still still oh, on the fence? I don't know. I mean, um, so I've done the same as you. I've I've signed <laughs> up for the mailing list. Um, yeah. I, I think there's a few things. I, I think it is. I think it's expensive ish. Yeah. I kind of agree with what they're saying, though. It's not massively expensive. It's not. It's not silly expensive, but it is no. expensive. Um, I think it will ultimately come down to the games to a certain degree, as anything does. I think there will be a lot of people who buy it just because and they won't care about the games. I feel confident enough to buy it on the strength of certain names, I suppose. Yes. I'm not 100% sold on the names that are kind of attached to it at the moment, which is, um, is it Foddy? Um, uh, but it's Foddy, yeah. Quirky, yeah. odd games anyway, kind of almost, uh, I wouldn't say throwaway, but silly, stupid ideas that kind of push... Uh, they do push the envelope of what game design is, but it, it do, doesn't. It doesn't sort of create those lasting sort of things. It's more challenging. 
yeah. um, expectations maybe of games. And then um, I can never pronounce his name, but the guy who did uh, Katamara Damasi. Um, his games as well are always incredibly quirky and a bit strange. I think, I think a good puzzle game would go far for this. I Absolutely. Think. Yeah. Um, you know, something you can really get your teeth into, something that sort of challenges sort of a high score table, that sort of thing would be fantastic. I'm kind of hoping Derek Yu, who makes Spelunky, is maybe doing something for mm. this. I'm yeah. kind of hoping Vlambia are doing something. Yeah. Because again, yeah. there's somebody who kind of really gone the sort of the the um the retro aesthetic quite a lot in their games. Um, the guy who did Downwell, I can't remember his name. He's a Japanese oh, guy. Okay. Really good. Yeah. If he's doing something, uh, and Terry Kavanagh as well as the other one. I can oh, think absolutely. Of. Yeah, yeah. You know, so for me, if one of those few kind of said, "Yeah, we're doing something," I think, I think we're moving into instant stale <laughs> territory for myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like that for me, um, but we'll see. And and equally, I think. Um, it needs to be unique experiences. I think that's the other thing. I um, I think if it ends up just being something, and by the way, releasing on this as well, yes, it'll lose that special vibe a little bit. I think so. It needs to sort of straw that line of being like small enough that it's interesting, but not too big that everybody complains and goes, "Why is it it's released on a proper console when I have to spend 150 quid for this yeah. esoteric?" Little console from Sweden, you know. Um, so, but I don't mind. I think if they're small enough games from some interesting people, I'm kind of okay with that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the other thing I think with it is is that you know people spend people spend on experiences. People spend you know uh, 100 quid to see the Rolling Stones or whatever. I think this is the equivalent of that. You know, when those games drop on those dates. There's going to be a certain cohort of people, maybe like us, who are quite excited about those games for that small, small period of time. And there's something about paying for events, if that makes sense. And that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that yeah. I I'm quite happy to sort of buy into that shared experience a little bit. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that aspect, and that's a really, really good point because, especially, I mean, the way we do this podcast is about you know playing games that are, for, are a little bit old and. I'm getting a lot better at not buying stuff on release unless it's something that I absolutely want. So I do feel like sometimes I miss out on that, uh, you know, that that type of atmosphere around the big new releases nowadays. Yeah, the nowadays. sort of feel, Yeah, it? yeah, joining the kind of conversation around it and, and the excitement. Um, you know, it's only once in a blue moon that I do that now. So, uh, yeah, that aspect of it definitely is appealing to me as well. So... Yeah, I can. I can. As you say, it will depend on who who is attached to the games uh, when when all the details come out. But I, I, I say I, I'm more likely to get it than than not. Than not. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. I, th- I I get the feeling this is going to be start of a pact between us somehow. I kind <laughs> of I've got this weird feeling that we're going to be wavering and uh, making sure we both get it by the end. Um, yeah, I think. I think it's it's lovely, um, and 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 it's just something like you say, brand new, different, and something to sort of shake things up, even if it's on the very sort of um, sort of niche end of gaming. I think it's still it's still worthwhile. I mean, that yeah. crank is something else, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely okay excellent right let's move on to to the games we've been playing shall we um i'll start if it's okay um Mm -hmm. just tonight i've finished um stories untold do you know anything about this game i have played this game 
Ah, excellent. Okay. So uh, it came out in 2017. It was developed by No Code, uh, published by Devolver Digital. And the reason I kind of uh, sparked into life and played this game that I've owned for a little while is they uh, No Code have just released uh, a game on PS4 and I presume other platforms called Observation. Um, which I'm very much interested in. I haven't, I've been strong and not bought it yet. So kind of harking back to what I was just saying, but I don't know how long I'll, uh, I'll, um, uh, kind of last with that because it looks right up my alley. Um, this is an anthology of four short games that kind of seem unrelated initially, but, uh, kind of other than having a mild horror theme. Um, and we've spoken before about, you know, I certainly don't do well with oh. with horror games generally. Uh, um, and I think you're. I'm getting Sorry. my games mixed up. I've I have not played this game. Oh, okay. <laughs> what were you thinking? I was talking about. Um, I was thinking. Of a, I thought it was called Stories Untold, but it was a game which ha, um, was maybe a bit like Bastion, where you are narrated and you're fighting enemies, and then at the end of each chapter, you choose uh, which direction you go to next. There is a game called that. Stories colon something yeah and that, i thought it was that i think that yeah okay this is different <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah when you said horror i was like yeah. this isn't the same okay okay so yeah when i say horror yeah you know i don't do well with full-on horror games with big old jump scares and all that kind of stuff and being chased through abandoned buildings by monsters and what have you but this is this is much more kind of um Kind of psychological horror, but not even that. Just kind of, kind of a tense atmosphere that, you, that you're mm-hmm. that these these um, stories are being played out against. Um, and as I say, um, the the four separate episodes seem unrelated, but as you play through, you start to realise there is a connection between them, and the final chapter kind of brings them together in in quite a clever way. Um, the whole thing is presented with a with a kind of very 1980s vibe. Um, there's an opening sequence that looks more like a, a television show than, than a video game uh, and seems kind of directly inspired by Stranger Things. Um, and the first episode is uh, a text adventure essentially called The House Abandoned, which I believe was released in its own right the, the year before this uh, Stories Untold anthology came out and then it was expanded on for the, this collection. But it, rather than just being a straightforward text adventure, you're you're sat in the player character's bedroom and you load the game up on a tape deck connected to like a spectrum alike games machine complete with the loading screens and the, and the kind of nostalgic sounds that come along with that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, as you play through it, it, it becomes apparent. It's not just a straightforward text adventure. There's a, there's a bit of a twist to it. Um, and then the mm. subsequent chapters you, you, you um, play through, um, it sees you interact with kind of period appropriate computers and, and other machinery with satisfyingly kind of chunky buttons and, and reference manuals that you're having to, to kind of work through. There's also a bit of first person exploration in there. Um, they, they're essentially these are kind of narrative puzzle sections. You're, for instance, you're kind of receiving audio instructions and, and trying to figure out how to carry those out um using the tools at your disposal so in in one section you're kind of in an experimental lab of sorts and having to um to carry out some some tests on a uh, on a piece of material Uh, in another one you're based in a kind of remote research station uh, scanning radio frequencies for for coded transmissions and then you have to wheel your chair over um to a microfilm reader and and, uh and scan like a an instruction um reference um uh uh information there and and um, work out what needs to needs to be done there um yeah there's a really really strong sense of atmosphere throughout um 
and I, I really, really enjoyed it overall. There was, there was a couple of points that were, were a bit of a shame. There was in the third chapter, there is a clue to the way the story's going in the final episode. And I think it was intended to be fairly subtle, but it's something I spotted right away and understood, <laughs> understood the significance of. Um, and that's not me kind of being, being big headed about it. It was quite, I think the idea was that this is something they can then hark back to and see, oh, it's right in front of your eyes the whole time. But it was, it was too much that way, unfortunately for me. And I kind of saw which way it was going. Um, and if I'm being really, really overly picky, the, the voice acting, which was, was pretty strong throughout, I thought was, was a little bit off in places in the, in this third episode, but that's probably a bit, a bit harsh to be honest with you. But, but overall, I thought this was excellent. It's only two, three hours long, um, to, to play through all four episodes. But, um, but yeah, really a real, um, kind of impressive sense of place and atmosphere and they've captured that 80s vibe really nicely and the story tying it all together is is pretty good once you once you understand at the end what's happening and uh yeah it's definitely got me in the right mood for for observation which is um i don't know if you've seen about it it's you're, you're based on a space station i believe and you, you actually play the ai on the um either on the ship okay. or the space station and you're controlling the cameras a, and again a bit that like, like um um 2001 yes it's, it's definitely given that kind of vibe yeah um but that came out, I think, either this week or last week as we were recording. Yeah, um, I saw some trailers for it. Yeah, it looked interesting. Yeah. I didn't sort of delve too much into it because whenever I see stuff like that, I kind of go, oh, that looks interesting. I don't want to see too much. And you Yes, know, um, yeah, yeah. Shut, shut all my um, sort of YouTube favorite recommendations <laughs> off. I haven't watched that video. Please don't send me stuff sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> This this game, um, so you mentioned it was sort of um, text-driven and I'm guessing on the computer, is that right? And then you yes. move into the world. And so others, you said there was four stories, so is it kind of text on the, on the is it is it kind of game within a game? Is that what we're talking in terms of kind narrative? Kind of, yes. So, so the first story, um, yeah, is pure text adventure, essentially. There's a, there's a slight twist to it, but it's, it's pure text adventure. The second one, you are essentially static but you're in this lab and you're carrying out these experiments and you can wheel around again to a, to a computer to reference um some of the instructions of what you need to do with the machinery and then the third one is similar with radio frequency in this microfilm reader but then there is a section in that one where you um there's a bit of first person exploration during that okay. episode and the final one kind of ties all of those experiences together and you, you do a bit of everything okay. in there and is it um, linear in terms of that in terms of that process between yes. the stories okay yeah okay. yeah it's linear stuff um okay. but yeah I, I just thought it was really it's something a little bit different um they've, they've clearly gone for a specific vibe which as i say i think they've they've nailed very well um and yeah, it's just uh, clearly a small team working on it. As I say, I think the text adventure portion of this was released on its own originally and had a good, uh, good reception. And they kind of built on it for, for this. And if that's what's led to, to observation, as I say, which, which looks to be a bigger budget game with, with a similarly strong atmosphere, then, uh, then I'm, I'm really interested in, in checking that out. But yeah, this, I definitely recommend this. I think, um, again, it, it, Everything you tend to read on it, I've obviously done a bit of reading up on it, having having finished it, seems to bill it as a horror game. But I would say, other than I think there's one or two incredibly mild bits that could make you jump slightly, um, but not kind of anything shrieking it, shrieking out into yeah. the into the camera or anything like that. It's it's um it's more a sense of foreboding than than anything. It's, yeah, it, um, it sounds like there's a bit of isolation. In, yes, in it. Yeah. that's what it kind of that's the feeling I'm getting. For some reason, I'm getting the feeling of the thing or something. And so yeah, the, yeah, the third chapter is definitely uh, along those lines for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, no, it's, yeah, I thought it was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. But um, but yeah, short, as I say, relatively short experience. But again, I think we've talked about this before. I think it really benefits from the fact that it's not padded out for the sake of it. Sure. Um, it's it's really focused and uh, it tells its story well. So yeah, no, it's, I, I was really impressed with it. Um, what platforms? I think just PC. Um, I'm presuming <laughs> potentially Mac as well. Yeah. Um, so is it, quite, is it heavily mouse-driven sort of experience as well then? Um. Well, keyboard more more than anything, um, yeah. because yeah, you're you're typing into these machines. Obviously, as I say, text adventure for the, for, for part of it, and then um, yeah, there are other other areas um, where yeah, you're you're kind of typing characters into a machine. Let me just double check here, make sure I'm definitely right. That's PC only. Um, <laughs> it yeah, sounds PC like it would be given yeah, the yeah. Um, the typing interface and stuff. Yeah. And, um, I suppose what you've described as well, the fact that they've got a bigger game coming out, and from what I've seen, like trailing, you know, highly sort of detailed world, polygonal sort of world and stuff, and yeah. the fact that first one, I'm guessing, was just released free. I'm guessing that first bit, or uh, the original, yeah, the House Abandoned, the original was was um, was released for free, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's something I could try out quite quickly, then couldn't I, and see if it's yeah. my alley yeah, or not, absolutely. and then feel like maybe I want the full experience or not yeah. based on. On that, that would probably be a good way of going into it. But it sounds yeah, like they're ramping up as a team. It sounds like this was, you know, just finding the feet. Did they have anything previous? Are you interested to see what else they've got out there? Or um, yeah, um, I don't. I think I might be wrong, but I think the House Abandon was their was their first game. Um, but I may be wrong on that. But definitely, I'll be I'll be checking out for sure to see whether that's definitely the case or not. Um, but yeah. Yeah, well, I, I would definitely do that. I would check out the uh, yeah. check out the the free version and see. But. I mean, I mean, everything you've described sounds like um, a game you would like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it ticks a lot of boxes. I can see that for you straight away. Um, yeah, in terms of the day, sort of old adventure sort of feel and stuff. And yeah, um, I, I think the thing that that I'm sort of picking up as well. I like, I think I've said this before, I like sort of utilising equipment or computers, that sort of thing. Yes. It's got a game with, you know, interfaces within a within a game. I, I really, really like those sort of things. Buttons, contraptions, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Anything like that, um, I Absolutely. really like. So um, that sounds intriguing from that perspective as well i'll i'll save my computers up up to speed for it and um and two hours three hours sounds like a, a nice sort of chunk did you do it in one sitting was it one of those for you uh, i didn't but that's only because i was having to play it on an old pc i'm having problems with my with my pc at the moment and i was having to play it on an old pc um which creaks at the best of times and uh it, it locked up a couple of times and i'm convinced it's nothing to do with the game it's it's very much the pc um so uh, each of these chapters you can't save in the middle of the chapters because they're they're very short things anyway. Um, so no, a couple of times I did have to restart um, sections. So yeah, I came back to it a bit later on, kind of thing. But no, you could very very easily I think sit sit through in one session and, and do this. It's um, mm. uh, there's there's no you know it, it, it's mildly challenging in places, but it's you know nothing that's going to have you scratching your head for for hours at a time. I don't think. Good, good, yeah. good, cool. Um. Okay, um, I've been playing around with WiiWare games um, for various reasons. I hacked my Wii and uh, started to get hold of some of the stuff that's disappeared. So I feel oh, quite entitled fantastic. to do that, given given that you can't buy a lot of these. Uh, yeah. And there was one that sort of stood out, and I probably should have bought it at the time. Didn't. 
Um, and now that I played a bit more of it, I was like, hmm, this is quite interesting, quite different, and quite nice. Um, a game called Lilt Line. Have you heard of this? No, I don't think so. Okay. So Lilt Line um, was a game that was um, published by... Um, the guys who released the BitTrip games. So it wasn't developed by them, oh, okay. but they decided to publish it. Um, and it has a similar sort of feel and vibe to those games. It's by, a, I think it's by a single guy, um, goes by the name of Different Cloth. Um, and I've had a look to see what else he's done. He hasn't done much um, of it since, since then, but he has released a game more recently called Drive, 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 which came out on um, PS4 and various other uh, consoles as well um but lilt line is a rhythm game and it reminded me quite a bit of the bit trip games but it also yep. reminded me a bit of 140 that obviously okay. we both played a while ago yeah. Yeah. so in lilt line you play as a line um you use the wii remote and you can um tilt it forwards or backwards and that moves the line up or down the screen. So right. a little bit like those um, those ones where you kind of need to keep um, an object sort of floating and it's got inertia, but it doesn't have inertia. It's either tilt forward, tilt back. Uh, the level is flat. It's sort of 2D uh, and it has a very jagged sort of world to sort of follow. And so you have to navigate the line. The line kind of continually moves and you've got to sort of navigate up and down the, the, the shape. Uh, the world is kind of built based around the music, and then at certain points you press the A button to press. Usually on the beats is when it is. Um, it's very minimal look. Um, it's it's probably called lilt, as in you know, total <laughs> the total. I can't even get my words out. The total, the totally <laughs> tropical taste lilt. Yeah. Yes, uh, it's kind of got green and or, uh, orange sort of bits to it. It's got uses quite a lot of black and negative space. Uh, when you press the button on the beats, which come up, um, there's quite a lot of sort of like um, psychedelia sort of flashing of lights, but again, quite minimal, minimal polygons. It's it's a very ba- basic looking game, but I think it utilizes what it's doing in quite a nice way to create the right sort of aesthetic. Um, the game's driven by what I would call um, uh, dubstep, but not like modern dubstep. This is like old school dubstep <laughs> right. when it first started, which was down, you know, London area and really raw and visceral. And the soundtrack's by a guy called 16-Bit, and it's very much based around that. I would say it's quite similar to maybe stuff you might hear on Warp Records. It's got that right. bit of... Um, where you get sound bites from things like maybe musicals, and then it'll just drop and go wah, 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 <laughs> and you know, uh, it kind of makes you sort of tilt and press to the beats and things like that. So it has bits of that, it has bits of classical music in there, and then it kind of morphs. Like I say, it's got a bit of jungle, a bit of drum and bass, that sort of thing. I think that's what's driven me towards this to sort of playing it. The the music is great. Um, it gets very difficult very quickly. Um, it's surprisingly hard to make very sharp turns um, just by tilting the remote up or down. Um, and I think that's where the challenge of the game comes um, in terms of that. It, it's It's got quite a nice way of sort of scoring and to see how well you sort of 
can beat the level. You, you The game literally is beat the level, move to the next, beat the level, move to the next, and you can play whichever level you're up to as many times as you like and come back to it whenever you like. I think there's 20 levels in total. Um, but the way the scoring works is you start out at maximum score, which will be maybe sort of 20,000 points. Uh, every time you miss a beat with the button press, you lose maybe 10,000 uh, points. And then if you scrape the edges of either the top or the bottom of the world, whatever it's looking like, then you sort of lose points for every second you're kind of touching against those elements. And so um, the score you get at the end is kind of what you're left with. If you get to zero, the song just stops there dead. So um, quite a lot of the time, there's a few songs early on that I've managed to perfect, which means I haven't hit the sides at all and I've hit every beat. But then some songs later on, I'm literally just scraping through to kind of beat. Um, so it's incredibly tough. Um, yeah. I mean, I've played a lot of rhythm games. I'm not one to sort of boast, but yeah, um, this this is pretty tough. Pretty tough game. Um, yeah, I just, so I like the aesthetics a lot, the music a lot. It's different. I think it got released on iPhone as well, but that's it. So yeah, um, it definitely fits well with the Wii. So uh, uh, am I ignorant not having heard of this, or was it not that well known? How was it received? Do you know? On, um, on it's really not. I don't think it's well known. Um, yeah. It, like I say, it was published by the Bit Trip guys, and I think. The idea by doing that was that maybe it would raise the profile of the game. Mm. Um, I don't think it did really. Um, I think a lot of people probably looked at the screenshots and went, this looks shit. (laughs) (laughs) Why the hell would I buy this? Um, And I think it's also quite British in a lot of ways. Um, The the big spoiler alert, not that it's really a spoiler, (laughs) but... I got to a level and I was blown away because of the music. Um, so the, I love this. It's great. Um, so the level starts and you're saying about samples, etc. Yeah. And it goes, uh, um, you've got 10 seconds on the clock. Give everybody a wave at home. Three, two, one, go. Fun house. <laughs> and it's, it's literally a vocal clip of Pat Sharp at the start of the song. Nice. Um, and I was just laughing my head off as soon as I heard that. And then as soon as it, that finishes, it goes, yeah, dong, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> you know, it's proper. So it has that comical British sort of uh, humour, I think, to the music and to the design. But that level is way late into the game, and I suspect most people will never even sort of get there. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So I thought I had to share um, and let people know that... Uh, Pat Sharp has been immortalised in a WiiWare game uh, forevermore. So, I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, you, you're quite a fan with uh, with uh, rhythm action games and, and uh, clearly a, a genre you've played a lot of. Where does this fall kind of in, in the pantheon for you? Is it is it up there or is it kind of... Um, I, th- I think um, it, pr- it probably isn't, but that's not... That's... A d- <laughs> I suppose I like it because it's 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 another one that's different again. You know, yeah. I think um, if it was just a rhythm game that relied on button presses, then maybe it, I wouldn't feel much towards it. I think mm. the analog nature of sort of tilting and back and forth, um, it's different. It creates a different feel and mechanic um, that you, I don't sort of. Um, um, 
I'm trying to think if there's any others. I suppose the only other things that I've had sort of things like that, I suppose Guitar Hero, you sort of tilt the tilt it to sort of activate star oh, power. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. But that's a choice. In a lot of ways, you can normally press a button and do the same. Um, so I don't... We have a lot of sort of rhythm games that are based on movement, but it's normally physical movement of yeah. yourself um, in terms of Dance Dance Revolution, you know, physically moving your body. Um, or somebody may go physically sort of moving your arms around. Mm. Something where you're tilting um, feels a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit, um, yeah, just strange. It, it, but it works well. Um, it, it. I don't know if it. I think the game would be easier if it wasn't tilt. I think that's that much is true, but. Equally, I don't think it's not unresponsive. You know, it it, it it's nice that there is a, a Wii rhythm game, if that makes sense, as in something to fit with that generation. Yeah. Because we don't really have many that fit with those, that, that sort of mould. I mean, the only other one that there was sort of Rhythm Paradise, but that was, you know, they, they very much stuck to you press buttons for that. Yes. Um, I suppose you've got Wii Music, haven't you? Uh, but I would not consider that a rhythm game. Mm. Um, I think that is completely throwaway um, junk, really, in a lot of ways. <laughs> Whereas at least this is trying to be a proper game, I think. Um, so, you know, and, and, and equally the bit trip games, again, the bit trip games rely on button presses. They do not sort of use the Wii remote in any yeah. way, shape or form. Um so I think it's just nice that there's something that that falls into that category. That uh, I think, I think, like I say, it just kind of tells the story of rhythm games a little bit more. It just fills a gap in sort of that sort of if you if you put everything in a line. I, it, it's not one to write home about. The music's kind of the the real sort of draw here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody should. Um, rush out and try and get a hold of it if you know if they've missed it you're not going to miss out too much but for somebody like me who likes to try everything in a genre that i like to to as much of a degree as possible um that i think is good then then this definitely sort of um reaches that but i think in reality there are at least five or six games i would put above this you know yeah easily yeah. quite easily so um, yeah. So it's a different beast entirely, but in terms of kind of motion inputs for for rhythm games, did you have any interest in in Beat Saber on PlayStation VR? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. absolutely, yes. Um, but again, I think Beat Saber, Beat Saber. To, I like to sort of visualize sort of how games evolve. Beat yes. Saber feels like an evolution of somebody Amiga to a certain degree. You know, you've got yes. objects in your yeah. hand and you're sort of moving them uh, in space in three in three dimensional space. Um, you know, so for me, that's kind of where that drives itself from. I don't see this, I, and I think that's the interesting part. I suppose I don't, I don't know what the evolution of this is. I suppose to a certain degree, it's things like there are quite a lot of touchscreen sort of rhythm games out now um, on iPhone and things like that. Um, yeah, a lot of them from Japan. Um, I think that's probably where this sort of stuff evolved to in terms of, but even that touchscreen, a lot of the time, 
it feels like a lot of it's tapping when really the sort of the more interesting motions of the slides and things like that that utilize the fact it's a touch screen rather than you know just a lot of inputs on screen i don't yeah. know i think i think there's lots of there's lots of different ways of tackling rhythm games now isn't there um i i wonder if um there's another harmonics one coming out isn't there that's vr oh is that it's right be, i didn't know that yeah and i think that's a bit beat saberish but okay. it will also yeah. be utilizing sort of pointer so you know shooting a bit like res or uh, something okay. yes so i yeah. think i think that's that maybe you know kind of draws the line a bit further and melds things um i think what's more interesting about rhythm games is that like i say the dance dance revolution line of using your feet and that sort of side of things that's just completely died hasn't it i mean yes yeah, yeah absolutely even just dance is just all upper body um so yeah of course it is yeah yeah that just died with the ps2 and that era and weird I think in a lot of ways because that was really early in terms of rhythm games. Um, yes, but just the way it goes, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but no, Beat Saber definitely. Um, um, I think. I think my only issue with Beat Saber is that um, I only have a PlayStation VR, and therefore you're kind of stuck to the songs that are given to you. Whereas I think uh, yeah, a of lot course, of the draw yeah. would be utilizing your own sort of music, which yeah. Bit of a shame, but um, yeah. yeah, a little line. I like its um, esoteric sort of take on things. It's definitely um, weird. Um, I'm pretty sure it got middling reviews. Um, if yeah. anybody even reviewed it, if I'm honest. <laughs> so, so yeah. is the developer is it a different cloth? Do you say if they done? Yeah, different sense? cloth, and he made a game fairly recently because I sort of looked up just before we started called Drive, Drive, Drive. Oh, sorry, you said, yeah, yeah. I'll probably pick up just to kind of um, feel less guilty, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that, that's that's not a rhythm game. So Drive, 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 it looks like it's a weird driving game where you race three separate races at once uh, and you switch between them to try and win the race with three different cars on three different tracks at the same time. Okay, right. Uh, what else have we been playing? I have been playing... Zero Time Dilemma, which is the third, <laughs> the third in I know the what this is. Zero Escape series, which we spoke about previously, and you were re- really not impressed with your short time with, uh, with the second game. I think you played a bit of Nurture's Last uh, Reward. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was obsessed with the first two games in this series. So nine. I always get this wrong. Nine hours. Nine persons. Nine doors. Or those words in a different order um and then uh virtue's less reward i loved both of those games uh mm-hmm. so they are essentially um visual novels um broken up with escape room elements um and they have branching paths and they are um liked by their fans because it's incredibly incredibly twisty turny uh lots of real about faces that are I think most people who play it don't see coming and uh, although might seem like they're coming completely out of left field are explained really well in the, in the game's narrative. Uh, if you follow through and do multiple playthroughs and, and have to have the, the patience to do that, they very much need to be done in that way. Otherwise uh, you're not, you're not getting the, the full 
um, full element. Now, I'd read a lot about how this was a disappointment. Um, I think the sales of the first two games meant that this looked like it wasn't on the cards for a long time. And it was, uh, it was eventually, um, put together, I think, with, uh, the, the original creator, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna really Butcher murder his name. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kataro Uchikoshi, I think, uh, yeah, potentially. Um, so I think he, he had a team around him. I don't think he was heavily involved, uh, in, in the entirety of the game. And I think a lot of people, the detractors of this say, uh, it would have benefited if he had had full input on the story, whereas I think he he's thought to have written maybe maybe around a third of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much the same type of uh, setup as the first two games, but it's set between the first and the second game. So this is a prequel to the previous game, essentially. Um, and for the most part, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, there was a lot there for me to like. A lot of the elements that that um, that, that were present in the previous games that are present here and and uh, done really really well. Um, however, there is Oof. a twist in this game. Um, now I, I don't know whether I got it towards the end, and again because of the nature of these games, you can play. Um, I should probably talk about the setup of this game. It's slightly different to the previous ones. So in previous ones, you had kind of a timeline um, and you have essentially a flow chart that you could access a certain way into the game and you could pick and choose which timeline you went down and you could follow essentially that, that um, arm of the story to the end. Um, this time around, it's slightly different. You have um, kind of memory fragments that are unlocked as you go and you choose them without really knowing whereabouts in the story it's going to place you which you've got a vague idea of which characters mm. you'll be controlling with that specific memory mm. um but um yeah your team your team of nine participants in in this um this experience um are split into three groups of three and uh yeah so you know which three you're working with um but other than that you don't know where in the story you, this particular memory fragment is is uh okay. is sitting so okay. as i um, say go on. in terms of those memory cover fragments then yeah. Do after you've played them because I'm guessing they're all discrete. Sorry, I, I, I just want to because it's. D- does it tell you? Does it show you where in the timeline after you've done it where it sits? Does yes. It so there is. Like, okay. There is a flowchart again that you can access, but unless you've already played through that section and you have a um, a choice to make, so that's another big part of these games. There are there are um, choices to make, which I'll go into in a bit more detail in a minute. Um, if you've already accessed and taken one of those choices, you can then go to the flowchart and go back and see what happens if you'd made a different choice. Um, okay. so, uh, so you can, yeah, once you've experienced one of them, you can, once it ends, you can see whereabouts in the timeline that, that sits. Um, yeah. So, so, so if you've done multiple ones, you can know that the one you've just done, if it was before or after the thing that you did before. That's all. Yeah. Yep. You can in theory, but it, I mean, certainly at the outset, it's quite confusing as to how all of these things piece together but as you play more yes you 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 can start to see okay well if i've taken this path early on i get now that this sits in there and all of that um so yeah so with that setup obviously the twist i'm talking about um i got towards the end and i imagine most people get towards the end because i think some of it is gated slightly depending on how much you've done um but some might have got it a bit earlier than me but i play i was playing this game and it's you know it's a good 20 hours worth i think um and it went for really quite an audacious twist um that i just don't think it pulled off at all 
unfortunately. Uh, I don't think it really earned it. Um, and it did similar things in the previous games in the series. Not, not similar is probably the wrong word. It, it also really swung for the fences with some of its storytelling in, in the previous games. And I feel pulled it off this time. Um, I felt that what it was asking you to accept was just beyond, beyond the pale, really. Um, and I obviously don't want to go into any real detail because I don't want to spoil it for anyone who is interested in playing the series, but, um, it really soured the experience for me. Um, and I know having read up on it since that the, the fans are kind of quite split on it. Um, some think it's genius, some are similar to me and think it really, it, it really doesn't work. Um, but, yeah, that was just a massive shame for me because this whole whole series has been has been a real highlight of of um, my gaming time over the last couple of years because I've, I've really really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, this, it's a bit of a downer to to end it on. I mean, that wasn't the ultimate end of the game, and and I liked where it went after that. Um, but yeah, it's just a, an element that it's asking you to accept that I just couldn't get on board with. Basically, um, it, it just kind of kept me thinking really is that really the best you could come up with um but yeah it, it's a shame um now i my assumption having only played i say only played it through the once i've obviously done all of the ultimate alternate paths and everything um that there isn't any real clever foreshadowing there now if maybe if i went back and played it again maybe it does earn it and and there's enough there to to you know to to kind of um, weave this into the story and actually you could pick up on it if you if you were paying attention but I, my suspicion is that, that it doesn't and it's just a kind of a, a bit of a deus ex machina moment um but but yeah i, I don't know it, it was a real shame because yeah as i say the, the 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 overall um experience was was really good um english voice acting in the game was dreadful <laughs> Um, uh, it was on by default, but, uh, when you, when I changed to Japanese, uh, with subtitles, it was, is much, much, much better, which I know is, you know, is generally the the case with, with the the games that come out of Japan, uh, you know, a lot of the time. But, um, but yeah, there was, there that, I think that's why I had a real disappointment. There was so much to enjoy about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, the other, the other annoying thing about this one, um, so in the previous games that you make your choices, and it's very, very clear on what those other choices could have been. So if you want to go back and see the other paths, then it, it's pretty straightforward on what you want to do, uh, on, on how you have to do it. Uh, this time around, there are um, there are elements where it's asking you to type. Maybe it might say ask you to um, say which character took a certain action, and there are two other people in the room with you and but you look at the flowchart and you can see there are four possible answers okay. and it's oh okay um well so i'll do the two obvious ones and then i was just baffled as to how you know how you progress from there um one of which it was obvious later in the game that i could go back and do that there was another one that actually it just took a bit of lateral thinking that just didn't occur to me at the time more frustrating than that type of scenario was there are elements that are down to chance um so for instance let's say i'm not going to use the real example um but let's say there is you have to roll a dice and you have to um roll a number one to to get a certain um you know to go down a certain path yeah um 
I might be wrong, but it seems to me like it, it genuinely was giving you a one in six chance every time, and you could have to do it 10, 15 times before you rolled the one, which was incredibly frustrating. Um, so yeah, it, that wasn't the exact scenario, but it's that type of thing where you had to do something several times and then end up with an ending, you know, a, um, a continuation that you'd already seen. Um, and then have to jump, basically jump straight back to the flowchart and restart the, uh, the scene. Wow. Yeah. Just like, I just, just don't understand wow. the, um, the thinking behind that. Um, so yeah, there were these annoyances along the way that just weren't present in the previous games. Um, which was, was a massive shame. Um, all of that said, I would still implore anybody who's interested in this type of game to play the first two games you included but i know that Why? you've been massive Why are you imploring me you because know. I, I know i know but i just think i don't know i don't, care. I don't know i, I just don't care i really don't care <laughs> <laughs> you've, just, you've, just, you've just you've just um you've just explained why you haven't liked a game as far as i can yeah. hear <laughs> yeah yeah but i'm not saying play this one I'm saying play, play the previous two, but They're I know, yeah, I know, I know you've played the other one. I mean, yeah, I might play I the other ones, um, but yeah, was there um, was there any any um, any feeling that you would not play this? Did you ever think um, I'm not going to play this game? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I always wanted to see how they wrapped it up. Um, well, it's not a wrap up though, is it? Because it's a prequel. Prequels uh, are dangerous, well, it- aren't they? It, it it is because there are. I mean, this isn't a spoiler. I don't think at this point. Okay. There are um, elements of not time travel exactly, but okay. sending your consciousness back to earlier times and and okay. uh, things in this. So, although it is a prequel, you are some of the things you're doing are actions after the previous right. game. I see. So yeah, I although see. the time period is in between them. So the knowledge there. of some of it is based yeah. on things that have already happened. In yes, the other absolutely. And some of that stuff is really clever, and and that's some of that stuff is re- done really, really well. I think you um, mentioned before it was time travel. I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's not not enough of a spoiler for anyone to get worried about. No, um, no, no, absolutely. Okay, okay. So it's not a true prequel, prequel. But even so, I, yeah, I just just look at the mediums and prequels. I mean, Star Wars. I mean, come on, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I don't know. I, it, you, you, you knew it wasn't going to be great, didn't you? Before going in. Well, this is the thing, right? So we talked about the Last Guardian previously, and how <laughs> it was the op- it was the op- it was the opposite thing, right? But a lot I had read a lot of people saying that it wasn't it didn't live up to the previous games, and um, I went in with incredibly low expectations and ended up absolutely adoring that game. And I tend to find. If I play a game a year or two after the fact where people sure. have probably been caught up in the moment and probably panning it too much because yeah. because they were expecting a great game. And I was expecting that to be the case here, that I, I'm going to go in with low expectations. So even if it's the worst of the three, it's still going to be a great experience, probably. Um, and if it hadn't have been for this major element, and as I say, some of those minor frustrations along the way, I think it would have, it would have been a perfectly fine ending to the to the series, but um, yeah, there's just this one major story beat that just didn't didn't sit right with me. Um, so yeah, it, it was a real shame, a real shame. But mm. yeah, I still stand by the first two games for sure. I think they are, I think they're really incredible. But it hasn't ruined the other games for you, has it? No, no, I, and I don't really tend to subscribe to that stuff. You know, okay, um, yeah. it, it doesn't te- that doesn't tend to happen with me. Um, I think. 
you know, I, I'll, I've still got the memories of playing through those games and, I, and just kind of real jaw-dropping moments. And yeah, yeah. the only thing I I, I I haven't watched any of it, but um, there's a bit. Well, Game of Thrones is all I can think of at the moment with what right. you described. That's yeah. all I can think of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't know if I agree with the idea that prequels can sort of damage something that's already good. Um, mm. I've got a friend who's very much like that. He will, he will watch all the bad Alien films because it might be good. Doesn't really matter, you know. Yeah. Still got the good. Yeah. Still got the films, and I kind of, I kind of get that. I get that, and I think that's fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think things that are so directly related to things you might already really enjoy. I don't know. Just gets a bit. It's like there's a new Terminator coming as well. It's like yes. If they do stuff that messes with old stuff, like they <laughs> tend to do, yeah, it's gonna be crap, isn't it? Oh, oh, honestly. So I don't. I'm. I'm not. I don't know. I'm on the fence and stuff like that. Yeah. I have to admit. Um. Yeah, yeah, and and genuinely, you know, just just to bring it a bit further forward with something I do care about in terms of story, Shenmue. I mean, yes, yeah, yeah. If they mess that up, then I'm you know devastated. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like it's doesn't doesn't sound you don't sound too downbeat about it um, in terms no, of experience you've had. No, it's, I don't think so. It, it, I just think it was a missed opportunity to be honest with you because yeah, I think yeah. f- for the most part it works. the ho- The whole thing works quite nicely, but yeah, it, there is an, a major element, and it's not even a. I can't, I can't go into it, but it, it, it it's just something that's like I said, it's act- asking you to accept something that there's just. There's just there no way chance. I could, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just a, couldn't, a, a I couldn't believability to it. Yeah, I get, yeah. I get that. I know yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. But like I, I say, it it may well be that if I, I I can't see me doing it, but if ever I played it again, um, it may be that I would be really pleasantly surprised by how cleverly they've woven that stuff in. Um, but I just, I, I, I generally I'm pretty good at recognizing that stuff after the fact, uh, and I was racking my brains and just couldn't see that there was much there. Um, however. Put it this way: next game that he's involved in, um, I was going to say, I, I'm going to be all over. Would you buy a fourth? I would, I, I would buy a fourth for sure. And he is um, the reason I, I played this is uh, he's involved with a new game coming out either next month or in, in July called AI: The Somnium Files, which I think he set up a studio Ooh, with. I recognise that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and I know you you're not interested in this series either, but uh, Danganronpa, I think either the main guy involved with that, or some certainly part of the team involved with that, I think are involved with this game um, that he's doing next. So I'll be, I'll definitely be checking it out and giving it a go, um, and we'll see, we'll, we'll see have how you, it goes. Um, but have you heard of a game called Zanky Zero? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. Is that um, going to be up your street or not? Potentially, that's got time yeah. Travel and stuff, I believe. Um, yeah, as well. And I don't know no, if it, it is it, the same teams. I've got a feeling it's something to do with Danganronpa. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I, think. I don't know. I'm. I'm really. I'm delving deep into my knowledge banks here. <laughs> I, I don't quote me. Maybe do some research. See if it's something that yeah. is uh, linked in terms of writing. Because um, yeah, I'll I know. I know you're I mean, into all that 
sort of stuff at the moment. Well, well, to be, uh, yeah, and in my maybe it's a phase, but I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played the Danganronpa series itself yet. So, I mean, that that should be my next port of call potentially. Oh, um, right, okay. But okay. then there's also we've spoken about Steins Gate before. Um, Steins Gate Elite is out now, so I'd be I'd be interested in picking that up at some point. And there's there's some other visual novel type stuff that I'd like to uh, I'd like to explore as well. But no, Zanki Zero is, is definitely one that was on my radar. Uh, it was it was out fairly recently, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So maybe once that that drops a little bit, maybe I'll check that out. But um, mm. but but yeah, yeah, I'm definitely interested in exploring more of this this type of game. Um, but it might just be, it might just be the series that that really connected with me. Um, and as as we spoke about before, Steinsgate because it's based on um, a kind of internet phenomenon that I was really um, interested in a, a while back. Um, that's what what's hooking me into that one in particular. Um, mm. Maybe the rest will leave me cold, but um, but we'll see. Okay. And did you say this third game was a different developer then, in terms of in terms of um, who made uh, it? I think ones. it's this. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. It's developed by Chime, um, and that is a good question. Um, just because you've said it was so difficult to kind of bring together for the last one, I just wondered if I don't know if if I, you know, if the studio folded and therefore that's why there's you know the yeah, way maybe so. So Chunsoft developed the first one. Um, and I think the second thing, Virtue's Last Reward as well. Um, so yeah, maybe that's the, maybe that was the situation and, and, uh, maybe it's a slightly different team, but, um, but yeah, I, makes, I'm pretty sure he was still director of Crystal If he's now doing stuff with the Duncan Rumper team by the sounds yeah. of things. Yeah, know, I, I, I got the feeling that maybe that's what happened. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were going to change my mind on this. You do realise, no. especially, especially as it as it hasn't been a, I've been blown away. You must play this sort of vibe. <laughs> if you came with yeah. that sort of vibe, then you might have had a chance. But <laughs> but I would still <laughs> say that about the the first two in the series. I would still say, you know, I'd still say that they still have a um, like if this third hadn't have been made, I feel like the ending to to that to those games so were, the second was game would have been excellent. Enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you said previously you, you know. could play Virtual Last Reward and that would be enough as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, you could definitely play it on its own. I think it would be if you were going to play them, I would I would definitely recommend playing the playing the original first because okay. um a lot of the things that come further down the line in Virtual Last Rewards are enhanced massively by having knowledge of the first game. Okay. Um but yeah, it could stand alone for sure. But yeah, I can tell it's 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 a tough sell. <laughs> That's fine. We we all have our um, preferences, don't we? So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. Okie doke. Um, I've been playing a lot of Ridge Racer. Um, Ooh, okay. Um, I don't know why. I suppose <laughs> I'm missing it as a series. Yes. Um, it's been a long, long time since there's been another one. Yeah. Um, so... I went back to playing Ridge Racers on the PSP for a bit. Yeah. And then I plugged some gaps. So I bought Ridge Racer 7 on the PS3. Okay. Yeah. And I bought Ridge Racer 3D on the 3DS. So, yeah, playing a lot. Um, 
with just seven to start off with was PS3 launch game and it's extremely similar to Ridge Racer 6 which was on the Xbox 360 which I think was also a launch game. Ridge Racers tend to be launch games and that's yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, 7 is it does have a few things that sort of um Ridge Racer 6 did and I think it's got it's got pretty much the same track listing in terms sorry track listing tracks in terms of um, I suspect the music's the same I've got no idea actually uh, but the yeah. tracks I recognise quite a number of them I, but I think it's got a few more it feels a bit more complete of a game I, th- I get the feeling Ridge Racer 6 was a bit rushed for the 360 uh, this one they've taken a bit more time um, I think this one's in 1080p whereas uh, Ridge Racer 6 wasn't so it looks a bit crisper but I think aside from that I don't think it looks as good it it feels a bit murky um, in terms of the colour palette. I don't know if it's doing something strange with the visuals, but it just feels like the blacks meld into one a little bit. It doesn't feel kind of that. It doesn't have that strong contrast. And so at times it's quite hard to see things. Um, so, But in general, it's just a solid Ridge Racer game. Um, the new thing there is new things in this though so they completely sort of restructured the way this, the game works um, and put a lot more additional um, things that you can do so they put manufacturer races they put one of special races they put a better I think world map to kind of understand where you are and what progress you're making and then there's a little bit of what I would call um a nod to more serious racers in that you can buy upgrades for the Ridge Racer cars that um, give stat boosts in terms of engine and boost, etc. Um, which I can take or leave, but it just creates, I think, a better single-player experience. The second thing they've done in this game is introduce slipstreaming. Now, that's a weird thing to say. I... <laughs> I'd be amazed if slipstreaming doesn't exist in Ridge Racer anyway. Yeah. But they have a very specific slipstream meter that's in the bottom corner. And when you're behind a car, it shows a retro sort of uh, 8-bit sort of car with another one. It shows almost like a radio wave going between the two to show that you're in their slipstream and therefore your car is going a bit faster. Yeah. Um I don't know if that was in the other games. I'd be really amazed if slipstreaming as a concept wasn't actually built in from a technical level, but they've just kind of made it obvious. Um, yeah, and that's kind of it for new things. It's still got the nitrous, which was in the previous one. And um, I think as well, the you can chain nitruses a bit more. So... You could always do this, and, and then this was sort of Ridge Racer Six on the 360 introduced the nitrous bar, and the nitrous is quite—I've said nitrous a lot. Uh, the nitrous bar <laughs> <laughs> was quite divisive, I think. Uh, a lot of people hated it because it fundamentally changed the way Ridge Racer played. Uh, but every game since has kind of had that, um, and equally the slipstreaming now from Seven. Every game since has had the slipstreaming as well. Not that there's been many games since those two games, but it it does it does create new mechanics. The the, the nitrous, the nitrous does it it allows you to use them on the straights, and then when it 
empties, if you go straight into a drift, it does what they call ultimate charge. And therefore, it fills at a much quicker rate than it would do otherwise. And so that fundamentally changes the way you play the game. Instead of being a game where you're just trying to drive fast around the racetrack, it becomes a bit more of a puzzle game where you're trying to mm. figure out when do you use the nitrous, go around the corner to build it up, set the nitrous off at that specific point on that straight to know that you'll get to the next corner in time once it runs out, and then therefore you trigger the next one, etc. And you can almost trigger them almost constantly around a track if you know the track inside out. Um, and I think that's why it's a dividing line with people. Um, the one on the 3DS has those mechanics as well, like I say. I think, and because I played a lot of Ridge Racers, I played those three a lot recently. I haven't finished them. They're quite long games, quite repetitive in a lot of ways. You do the same tracks, forwards, backwards, mm. different classes of cars. It just get it just kind of goes on and on and on. Feels a bit padded out. I just miss arcade racers, I think. Mm, um, mm. And I think having one that I haven't played, just I, I think the fact I'm buying more and more of Ridge Racer games kind of proves that I'm, I'm missing the genre quite a bit at the moment. Um, Ridge Racer is probably not my favourite of the arcade racing genres, just because it's a weird mechanic of drifting. It never. It doesn't actually feel like a car. It just feels like you turn the camera around the corners and skid. And that skidding motion, I don't know if it's quite, you know... It's it's always been OTT. It's always been like that. Um, but it's still something different. And it's still unique, I suppose, in the, in the world of video games. Um, and I suppose I'm just a bit sad that We've gone so long without another one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it bothers me a little bit. So that's kind of where I'm at with Ridge Racer. Um, yeah. Yeah, have you played much? Uh, I don't, I'm not, um, I, I haven't played a huge amount of the series, but I did play Ridge Racer 6 and I rinsed it. I absolutely adored it. Um to be honest with you, I haven't thought about the series for a long time, but just hearing you describe uh, Seven just makes me think, actually, yes, I very much would like another type of this game, uh, a game of this type coming out soon, because, uh, yeah, I had completely forgotten just how much I enjoyed that game. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was brilliant. Uh, and I, I, I may even have picked up Ridge Racer 7 secondhand um, when I got PS3, because... Uh, I'd enjoyed it so much, and then subsequently found out, as you say, I think it's supposed to be very similar to Six, isn't it? Um, yeah. So I don't think I ended up playing it much, if at all, actually. Um, but like I say, just hearing you talk about it is making me think. Oh, I wonder if I could dig that out and <laughs> have a few and races. Have a go. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's probably it's worth a long it. Long time. Yeah, yeah. Because absolutely. you'll definitely recognise all the tracks in it. I mean, and then that that was how I felt about it. You know, it was quite nice to revisit this section of tracks and Ridge Racer 6 and 7 kind of have their own tracks. There's a lot of repetition in the previous games. Um, uh, They kind of tend to reuse the original Ridge Racer track a lot um, and kind of update it, update it, update it. Um, Ridge Racers 2 on the PSP that I've been playing is basically a combination God, I can't get my words out. A compilation of tracks from one revolution, rage race, rave race, four and five. 
So okay, that really yeah. doesn't have any new tracks. And yeah. then Ridge Racer 3D has tracks, I think, from one, definitely two. But I always get them confused, Ridge Racer and Ridge Racer Revolution. So I think it's not them. Doesn't have Ridge Racer 4. It's got Rage Racer. It might have a Rave Race track. It's definitely got Ridge Racer 6 tracks. So that one, again, has a variety of tracks from the series up to this point in time. Um, so they're quite nice to sort of play and be familiar with. And that's what I, that's kind of what's happened when I've played these. It's like uh, there hasn't been much new, but I've been mm. okay with that because I think I like the series kind of enough um, to a certain degree to kind of just plow into them. I kind of feel a bit like those people who buy, you know, Battlefield or um, Call of Duty and just play Newtown all the time. It kind of feels a bit like that. <laughs> I feel like I'm racing the same track on Ridge Racer all the time. Um, yeah. And maybe I will do for forever. But, <laughs> but I like them enough. Um, I think one of the other things that people didn't like about Six was the commentator. Because right, yeah. he doesn't shut up. Um, and he would go, you've got nitrous, uh, nitrous all fully charged, ready to roll or something like that, you know. Um, and oh, he's behind you, he's just used nitrous. And it was kind of like, yeah, okay, we get the idea. You're trying to sell this new mechanic. And yeah. I thought about this a lot. And Ritris has always done the voiceover thing, which is I'm a voiceover that's going to describe what's happening in the game. And that's, again, quite unique for racing games. I don't think many racing games do that so even from the original one it would be like it's the last lap keep your cool or you know uh, it's the final stretch take him you know like it, it kind of prompts you if you're where you are in the race it tells you where you are um, but with the original games obviously it didn't do it all the time now with nitrous in the mix it's kind of like the game's telling you you know you've got it do you want to use it? You should probably use it. It's almost it's almost like a constant tutorial while you're playing the game. Yeah. Um, and then it gets worse because with slipstreaming now, they tell you the same. They go, he's in your slipstream. Oh, that's really good slipstreaming you're doing. So the whole thing is, you know, one lap to go. You've got nitrous. He's in your slipstream. He's catching you almost in first place. And it's just like constant, really, really constant. But I tried it without the voices, and it's not the same. And you know, I think they're, they're running they're, they're running out of time in the race when they can not commentate. So I am a bit worried if they introduce a new mechanic, they might not be able to keep up. It'll end up yeah. a bit like Pez when you used to get the commentator <laughs> and you do five passes. And you'd already scored a goal and it was still commentating about the thing that happened two minutes ago. And I'm worried yeah. that's where Ridge Racer might end up if it continues down this path. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool. I like it. Um, the one thing they do do in Ridge Racer 3D, which I do like with the voices, is that they split it. So what they do have, they have, I would call a race commentator about where you are in the race, which is a bloke. And then the one doing the nitrous and the slipstreaming is a woman. So at least there's a bit of variation. Yes, yeah. But yeah, it, it, I thought that's it is really unique to have a voiceover like that, um, even in arcade games. 
there are there are games that comment. The only other thing I can think of a bit like that burnout used to kind of do a bit of that, but I don't think it was so directly related to the race in the same way. I might be wrong, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's part of its charm in inverted commas. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ridge Racer Three D is, I think, better than Seven. I think I'm enjoying it more, and I think that's because it's three D. Right. Which is a stupid thing to say. <laughs> but um, Ridge Race has always been a series, I feel, because it's been at launch, that is about spectacle. It was there at the launch of the PlayStation. It was something that came into the arcades and blew sort of things out the water. It's always been loud and brash. And I think the 3D brings the spectacle again because it allows it to kind of go, here's a plane flying overhead or... There are leaves flying around and they go into the face of the screen and, you know, mm. into the near, near, into the foreground rather than the background. And it utilizes that. And I feel that because of that, Ridge Racer 3D um, feels more of a spectacle than maybe Ridge Racer 7 does, which um, looked nice, played well, but I didn't ever, even when Ridge Racer 6 came out, I didn't feel blown away by the series. Whereas I think Ridge 3D, I kind of do get that feeling. I I suspect people didn't when it launched because it's just Ridge Racer again. And I think by that point, people were kind of tired of the series in a certain mm. to a certain degree. I think if it came back now, it would be a different story in a lot of ways um, because it's been so long. Um so Ridge Racer 3D feels a bit nicer in that sense. The other thing that I like about it is that it does have a few new tracks which play up an angle which I haven't seen in other Ridge Racer games and it ends up feeling a bit like um, Ridge Racer World Tour or something like that. So it has snowy landscapes or canyons or mines, as in old sort of wooden mines and things, and very wide tracks as well. Um, there's one which is almost based on an airport with incredibly sort of wide corners and these are things that have never traditionally been in Ridge Racer games you could say they are not as well designed maybe but I don't feel that I think that they add um, they add an interesting dynamic to the palette that maybe wasn't there before Um, Mm. because equally playing these I kind of think Although a new game, if it was like the older games, if it came out, I think it'd be well received because it's been so long. But surely it needs to do something that's new, whether that is mechanics or whether that's structure or whether that's world building, something. Um, I wouldn't want it to go the open world route like Forza Horizon or anything like that, but... Um, and that'd be my major worry actually in a lot of ways that it would lose that sort of focus on short sharp races but equally what could it do one of the things that I think would be amazing this will come as no surprise would be um, virtual reality Ridge Racer oh Um, yeah yeah that to me would be a spectacle Um, and I think it's almost perfect because you know um, racing games traditionally were the big sell because it was polygons and you needed to, you know, it's restricted. 
in Ridge Racer, you have the forward view and maybe your rear view mirror, but the rear view mirror is so small that it draws hardly any polygons. So you're mm. focusing everything on what you could see. You could disregard everything that's behind you and don't care about the draw distance. So they were always good launch titles because you could just push a lot of stuff visually um, with the games. And I think with VR, you know, and, and, and because of that as well, a lot of Ridge Racer games hit the 60 frames per second. They've always been really tight at kind of going you know we need to hit that and so i think you need that for vr you could create a really immersive game um in in cockpit sort of view for that um that would just um i think just be a real sort of adrenaline pumping experience and feel like an arcade game and that's the and and i suppose having you know played a lot of vr and stuff the best experiences tend to be those very sharp shot experiences that you can kind of play for a little bit and then turn off so you don't get too motion sickness and kind of play mm. something else. So I think for me, that would be a really good way to go. But um, who knows? Who knows whether uh, Namco are ever going to bring it back? Yeah. No, like I say, it's a series I just I just haven't thought about for a long time. But yeah, I would I would welcome a new one with open arms for sure. And and a VR version, as you say, would be, would be ideal. Um but yeah, I, I definitely think I'll I'll try and dig out seven and uh, and have a go. And um, if I if I enjoy it, I may well investigate three D. I think because that sounds it sounds like that would be good as well. Um, but yeah, excellent. Um, I played another game that I think you might be interested in. Um, it's called Aquatic Adventure of the Last Human. Okay. Uh, made by a small indie studio called YCJY. I'm guessing you don't know what this is. No, I don't think I've come across this. Okay. I don't know why I got attached to this game, but I did. Um, I was looking forward to it before it came out, um, and then I've bought a physical copy fairly recently that was sort of a limited um, a limited sort of print run version. Um, I think I was attracted to this because it looked... Uh, and, and sometimes I don't know where I find out about games, but um, it, it looked... Um, just very it looked quite dark and different and lo-fi but it had that um adventures of the deep sea sort of vibe so there's a playstation game called treasures of the deep playstation one game that i haven't played but i was always fascinated by the cover of um the idea of being in a submarine going underwater um bit of an old school sort of vibe to it in terms of um i don't know almost like um 10,000 leagues under the sea that sort of thing mm. this isn't that but the front cover and the artwork made me think it would be something along those lines um the premise of the game is that um the game starts it's very lo-fi it feels like the game's made out of paint and drawn in paint a lot of it um it's a Metroidvania game. Okay. But the game starts with um, your spaceship slash submarine flying into space. Um, it must be a spaceship at that point. Off Earth back in, I don't know what year, 2020, say. Goes right. into a black hole. Billions of years pass. Then it emerges from the black hole and goes back to Earth. And Earth has just been submerged completely underwater and the fish have taken over the entire world. They are almost prehistoric 
and evolved so far and so wide. There are some remnants deep, deep under the sea of our civilization that have been, but obviously of the futuristic cities that they built up and then were kind of decimated. And so you have these audio logs, which are written audio logs, that kind of describe it as you go through the world. Um, one of the quotes from one of the reviews for this game, I think summed it up quite well, which is Shadow of the Colossus Underwater. Oh, um, okay. So it's it's kind of open worldish. I, the reason I say it's a bit like Metroidvania is because it has that viewpoint and it has a map in the top corner, but ultimately you can go to wherever you like. Um, you have small bits of puzzles to kind of get a work, get around and upgrade for your ship in terms of new sort of um, missiles and sort of things to upgrade or shields. Um, but ultimately, at certain points of the game, apart from I think apart from the first boss. You can attack sort of all any of the bosses that are left in any order you wish. Um, I don't think there are any other enemies in the game. I think it's just bosses. There are other things that can kill you in terms of. Um, I suppose there is. I think there's. I think there's smaller fishes and things like that. Actually, there's smaller creatures, um, and I think there's like spikes, not spikes, but things, you know, electrical things, um, d- decaying bits of architecture that can sort of kill you but the game is built on the spectacle of the bosses um generally speaking when the bosses come uh, the game zooms out and it becomes much larger on the screen you have some bosses that are quite docile um like the big octopus that feels quite difficult to understand how you might be able to kill him um and some of them are a bit more aggressive um nearly all of them have massive huge life bars um mm. it's pretty tough game um i got stuck more than once on this and had to look up a guide to try and help me beat it but i really liked the vibe um as i say it's quite dark it feels gothic and a bit like dark soulsy maybe that sort of thing a bit more i, I don't know do you know a bit bit Edgar Allan Poe-ish or Eldritch, right. that sort of thing. It, yeah. The creatures look prehistoric to me when I see them. There are ones, ba- and they're all fish-based sort of creatures. Um, so there's ones that are a bit like crabs, ones that are like seahorses. Like I said, there's the octopus. Um, they, some of them are quite surprising in sort of how they play out in terms of the um, encounters. Um, and the entire thing is quite bleak in its tone. Um, it was so different to um, a lot of other stuff that I play. It wasn't particularly long, but as I say, it was pretty tough at times. I think anybody who likes, say, Shadow of the Colossus or even Dark Souls, again, it reminded me a lot of that in terms of just the toughness of the bosses, um, I think would really enjoy this. Um, it's, like I say, small, quirky and really different. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I need to check this out. As the um, as the developer, is this their first game, or have they have they got a history of doing other bits? The, I, I, I double checked. So that this one, this game came out. I think it came out on PC and PS4. I think I already had it on PC on my Steam library, which I probably picked okay. up for like ten p once. Yeah. Um, they they have. They have a few other games. Um, two of them are itch.io games. And I think they're right. free. Yeah. So they're easy to check out. They've got a new game coming out. Uh, so this game, 
was their first sort of biggish game. Um, sure. And so this was kickstarted. Although I think they didn't ask for much money, you know, something like $10,000 or something right. to try and right. sort of just finish it off and sort of put a bit of spit and polish on it. Um, they're currently working on their new game that's called Sea Salt, that is a strategy game, but again has the same, looks like it's been drawn in paint sort of vibe um, and dark and different. It looks, it doesn't look, the mechanics of the game are not my thing in the same way. It looks a bit board gamey to me. Right. The new right. game might be more your thing. I don't know. Yeah. That hasn't come out yet. It might be a bit tower defense. I don't really know much about it, if I'm honest. Um, but they seem to play around a lot with different genres. I think their other two games are completely different as well. Um, but as I say, the thing that drew me to it was the art. It, it, I, I don't know how well to do. It's really hard to describe what it's like. It's got a messy sort of feel to it. It felt organic in its world, you know. Um, the music was incredibly minimal at times. Um, it played on the... It has a very submerged sort of sound to the soundtrack, you know. Uh, lots of long notes to kind of create that foreboding. And what it does really nicely is that as you sort of delve deeper, it gets darker, the world, you know. Yeah. So it feels thick in terms of that you know you are seeing the depths of what might lie beneath and um and it, that plays out really nicely in one of the upgrades which you get which is a torch which you don't need and that's one of the bosses once you beat them gives you so because you can sort of tackle them in any order you can make the game pretty difficult for yourself if you don't have certain upgrades much like the mm. torch and that's kind of what happened to me basically you know i kind of there was a boss I thought, I can't beat this one. I need to beat this other one. In reality, I could beat that other one. And I could have beaten the other one that I was trying to go for, but that was so much harder that I, you know, um, if I had a torch, it would have been so much easier, basically, because I could have told, right. seen where I was attacking, etc. Yeah, I think that obviously. played into the mechanics of what was happening in the boss fight as well, as in sort of a repellent sort of mechanic to repel attacks, basically, by shining light on the creature. Um, so, um, you know, there are ways of making the game more difficult and more hard for yourself. At first, because it's so budget lo-fi, I thought, that, and the kind of reason why I sort of check things online, um, I thought that um, the game was bugged. I thought, you know, um, that, that, that I'd done something wrong and missed a power-up or something like that. So right, right. I double-checked, basically, and made sure that I hadn't done anything stupid. Um and it is quite easy to do that. It's quite easy to not pick power-ups after you've beaten a boss, for example. It's quite easy just to leave the room and not pick them up. So, uh, Because the camera zooms so far out, the boss battle takes normally, and not all of them, but a lot of them take over a, quite a wide area. And then when you beat the boss, it kind of zooms back in. Therefore, it's quite a large area. So you can quite often miss maybe where, exactly the point where you killed the boss where the new power-up is. So... Um, there are little things like that, little quirks and anomalies, but um, that's all easily forgivable from my perspective. Um, yeah. Just because it's doing its own thing, it's got its own style. Um, yeah. I think that's all I really want to say about it. Okay. And just before we finish, you you described something in the game as, as written audio logs. I, I can't yeah. quite get my head around that. 
What? How does it? What, do you, do you mean just do you just mean like written documents, or is there actual audio to them? No, there's no audio to them, but they are but, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Oh, but, but they're audio locked because you go over to them and it looks like a little tape deck, like an audio oh, lock. Okay. Okay. Visually, well, in the now. world, it's an audio lock. I but see. No that makes more sense. Audio more playing. Sense. It's yeah. still it's a black box. You want to call it a black box? Call it a black box. Whatever you want to call it. Basically, uh, I, I was trying to be an humans. asshole. I was just, I was, I was just. Well, I didn't know how else to explain it. I mean, <laughs> that's right, isn't uh, it? I've explained. Yeah, that now, that, right that, that, now that you've meant, now that you've explained that, that makes a lot more sense now. I get it now. I get it now. It's so yeah. it's low budget, isn't it? They're yeah. not gonna. They don't have voiceovers because. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I just, I had a visage, you'd picked up like a, a folder with a document inside it, and you were describing that as a written, as in your go-to for anything left around with a bit of exposition in, or backstory in, is, is an audio log to you, but this happened to be a, a written version. I, I completely misconstrued what you, <laughs> what you were right. saying, basically. Okay, I see. So, I yeah, see. ignore me. Yeah, and I, and I think those are there just to create some, um, through line narratively they're not they're nothing major i would say um yeah but it's it's a decent it's a decent enough payoff by the end of it in my view um you do kind of i mean a lot of those audio logs is basically the struggle of humanity um right right also what's really nice really stupid this but the first time you die um, it pops up an achievement saying something like "No humans left," which I thought was really nice. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Plays, that but, intriguing. But, but, but play, and it plays pretty well as well. I mean, um, the, the the submarine that you're in um, controls quite nicely in sort of the different directions. It tends to feel. It does feel like a shoot 'em up, I suppose. Maybe a bit like it's got three. It's it's dual stick, I think. Yeah, okay. it's dual stick, so you can sort of shoot up and shoot down. But you've kind of got two weapons. The only thing I would say, and 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 this seems a really weird thing to complain about, but the shooting is on the triggers on the PS4 pad, and because of the amount of shooting you have to do, yeah, uh, my arms did sort of like give up at times it, it's strange you, you would you would hope you'd be able to hold the trigger down and it would mm. do the shot the unfortunate thing is is that you either tap it so you've got to constantly tap the shoulder button which is pretty bad you know mm. sort of tap, or you can hold it down for like a charge shot let go oh, okay so you're doing these so it's hard to uh, and and on the bosses, I never knew which was the best way of doing it. Is it better just to kind of tap it the entire time or not? And both ways didn't feel it, it didn't feel um, comfortable, like I say, to keep doing, especially right. with the length of some of the bosses, which would be 10, 15 minutes, you know. Um, yeah. Like I say, they, they feel like Dark Souls bosses. They are not sort of quick things. Um, so, and, and, and that's the whole point, isn't it? The whole point is that it does have that euphoria once you beat them. Um, you have a little notebook as well that pops up and kind of crosses them off. Um, oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, to kind of go, you've killed this one. Um, you don't get the. Uh, I don't. I'm, I don't think you have the same emotional attachment that you might do in terms of um, 
Shadow of the Colossus. But um, I personally felt like... Um, I thought what it played quite well from my perspective... This is all subtext. This is not explicit. But for me, I felt like, well, humanity died and we'd had our time. It's their time. I shouldn't be there kind of disrupting their time, if that makes sense. So that kind of felt quite strongly to me in terms of the game. Um, and that feeling of, well, I'm the last, therefore. It felt, it felt there was a bit of helplessness, I suppose, about the entire situation. And like I say, um, some of them are quite large sort of creatures. And um, yeah, I didn't sort of, uh, there's a small bit of elation, but then um, I didn't feel satisfied, I suppose, by by the process in that sense. But um, it, it's neat. It's different. Um, I don't know many games like it. So, um, yeah, I think you would like it. I think you would. Yeah, um, yeah it sounds good. But I think you might struggle with some of the difficulty. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I'm definitely going to check out some videos, I think, and, and see if it. Uh, it certainly sounds, from what you've said, like the kind of thing that I would uh, I would really enjoy. Um, and I don't mind a bit of challenge, but yeah, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But um, <laughs> but but, um, but no, it's, it, it sounds really intriguing. I'll I'll definitely check it out. I think I think Sea Salt might be more up your alley as well. So I would, I mean, go and I would check check out their website um, and maybe even just check out the Itchio games. So. Yeah. yeah, they're called them YCJY. Uh, I think YCJY. they're Swedish, and it's okay. not their initials because I checked that out. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Okay. Well, I, th- I think that's pretty much it for uh, for this episode. Um, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, thanks, Paul, for joining me as ever. No um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're on there uh, at Catch Up Pod with two P's there. But in the meantime, uh, thanks ever so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Cheerio. Cheerio.